0: Okay, all right. Welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault behind the vault door. Joining me as podcast co-host, none other than Coach Nick. Yes, sir. Hey, so now, Coach Sink and I were having a discussion, I just grabbed the podcast equipment because I thought, this is something that I think people should, you know, know about. Uh, certainly in my past, people have asked me, you know, like, how did you get into all this? And, you know, I've always, always jokingly said that I came out of the womb with a gun in each fist, and that I was born with blood, you know, blood that was made of gunpowder. Uh, the truth is, I've always loved guns, and I've always been around guns, and you know what? I turned out okay. I uh, ended up becoming Officer of the Year at some point in my career, and, you uh, You know, had a few other choice accolades. Uh, I really enjoyed policing. I always like to talk about that once in a while. Uh, But you know what, though? I I grew up around guns, and I turned out okay. Uh, Now, did I... Was I perfect? Absolutely not. Uh, I look back on some of the things that I've done, and I think to myself, you know, perhaps... Perhaps I could have gone another way, right? But, uh, like, I mean... uh, to all the hunters out there, uh, I don't hunt, and and I've often said that you know I don't hunt, and I just don't have the stomach for it. And I have friends that go hunting on a regular basis, and I do appreciate what hunters contribute to the environment, uh, certainly to the economy. You know, people need to know that the firearm industry is a multi, you know, billion dollar industry, and it. it, it a great place in it uh, for hunters and so for the people out there that hunt and contribute uh, you know in the form of you know hunting tags and all the equipment you buy and all the staff and personnel that are required to you know get you the things that you need in order to success successfully engage in an activity that is uh, a strong part of Canadians uh, heritage uh, I, you know, I, I've never hunted. And when I say that, you know, it's sort of not true because I remember, and this is something that I talked about with you, Coach Nick, you got folks, I know it's radio, but you gotta <laughs> see Coach Nick's face. He's wincing a little bit because he thinks that this one might be uh social suicide for the Canadian gun vault. I don't think so. Like, I mean, I like a lot of kids that like guns wanted to shoot at targets and you know, what I definitely <laughs> wanted to shoot at moving targets. And I loved, you know, the challenge uh, being a young marksman. And using a pellet gun. And, you know, my grandfather was a uh, mountain man, as my family would describe him from the, uh, you know, from Feltre, Italy. And, you know, he he came here with very little, and certainly he survived the Depression, and he was able to hunt. Uh, And that was how he fed his family at times uh, over the years. Uh, I certainly ate my fair share of uh, (laughs) things at the kitchen table that, you know, may have been questionable. Quote, unquote,
1: chicken again. Chicken again. (laughs) We're having chicken.
0: Well, actually, in, 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 in that household, in my grandfather and grandmother's household, it was either rabbit or quail. Rabbit's good. Oh, rabbit's awesome. For the people that haven't tried rabbit, it's it's it can be a little tough. It's very lean, so it can be yeah, yeah it can be a little dry if you don't prepare it properly. I Don't think I've had quail, but I have had rabbit, and it was quite enjoyable. And quail, of course, became you know kind of the general uh, term uh, terminology used to describe any kind of small bird. At my grandfather's <laughs> in <the neighborhood>. house. <laughs> and it could be any bird from the neighborhood. Yeah. And, you know, my my grandfather had this wonderful system. You know, he came here, you know, with, you know, the need to hunt was, was something that, you know, some people um, experienced during the Depression. I mean, if you wanted to eat, you had to go out and you had to get yourself something. But that's what he
1: did yeah. back in Italy. Exactly. Right? Yeah, so exa- that, that's still... Essentially, the only way he knew or was most familiar with. Oh, my! my grandfather had a wonderful uh,
0: appreciation for snares and and hunting, and uh, you know, he he taught me how to set a bear trap. You know, as a very young child. And Jeez. I mean, well, that's that's what we did. You know, they they let us. You know, the, hey, dude, it was the '70s and the '80s. Like, I mean, there really was no kind of set standard for what is safe and around an Italian household. My grandfather had these bear traps that we could set, and if you're trying to Imagine you know a six and seven year old kid you know laying bear traps in the backyard <laughs> you know, of your grandparents' house. You know, it don't could tell get, your mother. It, it could get it could get really exciting really fast. You know, if you know you started running around or playing football, if you laid a couple of those. There were these little there were these little small traps that could be used to catch uh,
1: smaller items like squirrels. Right. Yeah. I, they, I, my grandfather. I grew up on my grandparents' house, and he had some of those in. In the basement of his house, yeah. Musk, muskrat traps or whatever yeah. it was. He used to cat He used to trap some. Some of them are like crescent
0: shaped. Some are square. Yep. Yep. Uh, but they're, they're they're realistically they're they're about you know five inches across. Uh, they're not they're not overly big. But I learned how to set these as a kid. Like I mean that's that's how much uh, hunting was a, a part of my grandfather's lifestyle. And I mean he fed his family through uh, you know some of the worst years in Canadian history using hunting. And of course I had a little bit of that in my blood. And I know this is something that you don't. Want me to talk about, but the truth is, is, uh, you know, when I had a pellet gun as a kid and I realized my grandfather was still engaging in the practice of hunting, uh, you know, I thought I would offer my contribution. And, you know, cool. I, I saw, I saw a couple of things in the neighborhood that were flying, you know, quail, little, yeah, quail. <laughs> That's it, exactly. You know, like if you, if you ate a dinner at my grandmother's house, you know, and you made the mistake of asking the question, what is it, grandma? What are we, what are we eating tonight? Well, oh, it's quail. It's quail. It might be blackbird, right? <laughs> it, it, if it's rabbit, it might be squirrel. Right? <laughs> and, you know, so I've got myself, you know, in, in, a, in an environment where, you know, that's acceptable. And obviously, you know, they'll have that occasionally. My girl, of course, right now, my grandmother is probably rolling over in the grave saying, oh, my God, I can't believe you say on the radio that we eat squirrels. <laughs> squir- I'm ashamed. Right? She would be so she she say and then she'd say and then she'd cry and she would say hello. Right? Anyways, all right, you know, and move on uh, to another subject. But like you could eat these sort of things. it was it was known to happen, you know, in the seventies and you know, hell, I think it might have we right up to the nineties. Hamilton, Ontario, not, Hamilton, not yeah. Alabama. Yeah, you know, like we Kentucky. Were, right. Yeah, like we were you know, in like kind of an urban environment and, and you know, not not necessarily, you know, shooting things, but you know, you never know. My my I remember my father telling the joke. That uh, you know, he hadn't seen a squirrel in the neighborhood for like, like, like yeah, because like, he's eating them all right. Yeah, and like, he goes, when was the last time you saw a squirrel? I think it's been like a year and a half since I've seen a squirrel. Of course, my grandfather's sitting at the table and he's twiddling his thumbs, right, and he's saying, <laughs> right. And of course, you know, one day my father's out back having you know one of those Craven A special mild cigarettes, Craven a,
1: and <laughs> he's wa- screams nineteen seventy three right? like Craven A, <laughs> right. And so, so my father
0: describes how he's out there having a dart, and this, this, <laughs> this. This first squirrel that he has seen in over a year in a neighborhood known to be, you know, populated heavily by squirrels. He hasn't seen a squirrel in the neighborhood. It's running along this fence uh, and it's going through this area where there's there's trees and, and some branches. And he's watching the squirrel kind of hop along the fence. And it gets to a certain point. Where you know it comes through this this area where it's it's a little bit obscured by brush, and all of a sudden this trap springs. It's called a hunting blind. Uh-huh. And it, <laughs> and no, no, it was a, it was a snare trap, and so so this I guess the, the the trap is set so that the animal puts its head through it, and then gets caught up on the body, and it triggers it uh, some sort of uh, lever that allows a tree branch under tension to suddenly spring upwards, and now you've caught yourself a squirrel. <laughs> snapped it it's not, no, well yeah, like I mean that's that's the intent, I guess. And and so physics my, kicks in there. So yeah, so my father my father says, I see this squirrel running along the fence, and I'm thinking, wow, that's the first squirrel and all of a sudden it's, it's flying up in the air. That was the first squirrel. And that squirrel. was the first squirrel. And so so you know, and then he goes in the garage of my grandfather and he's got all these tails hung.
1: Right? In this making big, Daniel right? So like,
0: yeah. Right. Like it's so, so like that, that was my grandfather. He was the mountain man. Right. And, and so he, he kind of, you know, impressed upon me at an early age, how important it would be if you needed to, uh, to be able to catch your own meal. And firearms play such a, a huge part of that in this country there's such a strong heritage you know Canada Canada's very rural like still is very rural and so many people rely heavily on uh, firearms and and operate firearms on a daily basis yeah. it's part it's part of farm work you know to have a firearm to be able to fend off predators and yeah. def, you know defend your property uh, from things that, that can damage you you know like I mean like uh, deer people think that deer you know these beautiful animals uh, a lot of hunters have compared them to uh, giant rats that will like demolish your crops if you're not if there's too many of them and so every year they you know issue these tags you know, to hunters and, and they, they monitor the populations and they determine how many there are out there and, and you know, what the foods, uh, you know, sources, resources are like. And they determine how many can be taken safely to keep nature sort of in balance. And I always explain this to people that don't appreciate hunting. The truth is, is it's necessary because since the opening of supermarkets, you know, the need to hunt has kind of gone down considerably and a lot of people still engage in the activity. However, um, what's res- the resulting kind of thing that happens is the, that nature falls out of balance. You got too many of an animal, and and you get changes in the numbers of predators. And then, of course, when the food sources uh, are out of balance, uh, a lot of them will come towards like more
1: suburban areas. Yeah, it throws it does. It throws off the population in in a given habitat. Right? Yeah, right. And 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 that's you know that's one of the things that. Uh, that's a discussion, that's a great for science discussion right there yeah. oh, with respect to habitats and I think I talked about on this before is coyotes and and, and you know, the, the, it's called urban sprawl and man keeps taking away their natural habitat, their natural environment to build whatever, develop yeah. whatever. They still need to, that coyote still needs to be a coyote, still needs to find food, build shelter and raise its young. Mm-hmm. So if you keep pushing, you keep pushing, you know. Well, you That's know... That's why we see him in urban environments. I can't wait to
0: get Frank uh, Frank back on the show. Yeah. Uh, you know, he, he certainly provides a unique perspective into hunting. Bugsy, too, is another one. He's yep. he's enormous. Uh, he loves, loves, you know, the changes uh, I've seen him undergo over the years. But I always knew uh, hunting to have a very, very strong therapeutic value for Bugsy.
1: Well, the thing is, too, is, is, is I mean, we live in the most densely populated urban center in the country. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know hunting doesn't apply to the urban gun owner no right so they they don't quite get it they don't quite understand it but you go outside of southern ontario as you were saying and by outside within an hour mm. you know you look where we were we we were uh, recently, on uh, shooting out in, on that private piece of property, yep. I bet you don't have to go very far from there where you can yeah. legally hunt. Yeah, and that's that's not. It's not like you have to. You know, you're taking a float plane into somewhere in northern Ontario to hunt moose. You don't have to go very far. Yeah, but it, it, it's because it's you know the the it's the the urban lifestyle that's not part of the gun culture in in this area but you go anywhere outside of this and especially out west right mm-hmm. you go anywhere out west Manitoba Alberta Saskatchewan it's it's that's just the way it is you don't know any different yeah I, you know i quickly
0: realized as you know as you leave the major metropolitan areas uh, you know firearms are definitely a way of life and they're they're everywhere and you know like you can be in line at like a grocery store uh, somewhere in northern ontario and you know, the chances are the person across from you has gone hunting at some point in their lives and or has had some exposure to firearms. And, you know, uh, I was traveling around the country and, of course, people occasionally would see me in the gear and they'd say, like, what is the Canadian gun vault? And I say, oh, you know, we do this, we do that. And I mean, we're doing good things for the firearm community. And of course, you know, have you ever tried firing a, a gunman? And, and inevitably they look at me and they say, oh, yeah. My husband's got lots, (laughs) you know, and and I'm, and I'm seeing that more and more often. Like there's so many people out there that have it. I can't help but feel, uh, that this government is growing increasingly uncomfortable with the number of people that enjoy firearms and, you know, not to get back to the socialism, you know, discussion, but the truth is, is that governments don't like armed populations. I mean, like if you've got a group of people that are vetted, screened, trained, you know, and every day have to maintain a certain degree of, you know, decorum, uh, in order to maintain their licenses.
1: You know, why would those people make you feel uncomfortable? Well, like, well, mean, exactly. That was and that's what I was getting to if if they, if they have an issue with, with it then it begs the question why. Yeah. Yeah, like, I mean,
0: this is your system. You set it up. We jumped through every imaginable hoop, and now you're we're telling playing us... playing by the rules, but you're saying now... Now you're not comfortable with it. Like, it really does beg the question. Like, I mean, you don't have to be a conspiracy theorist to, to figure that one out. Like, I mean, it's, okay, I haven't done anything wrong. What comes from uh, gr- a purely doesn't-make-sense viewpoint? Yeah, the group, the grouping we're discussing uh, has done nothing wrong. So you still want to take those guns away? Like, okay, so there is no evidence to support this. In fact, you're flat out lying about, you know, public support for this. I mean, we're calling you out on it, but you keep on telling the same lies. Mm -hmm. And so, if that doesn't look suspicious, I don't know what does, because it really begs the question, okay, why? Why would you want to take guns away from good people? Exactly. So, Mm -hmm. what's the agenda? Right, and that's the big question. I think everybody has to look at the mirror and ask themselves, why would they do that? Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. why would they want to do that? Well, Venezuela wanted to do it. And you know certainly, historically Hitler did it uh you look at Eddie- and part of
1: that and just because Venezuela's recent and' current um that one item that we were looking at online there recently, where they disarm the populate they disarming the population was part of that. Socialist movement. It is. It's. And what are we facing right now in this country? Yeah. Like there's 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 a playbook, folks. It's control the media.
0: Right. If you control the news, if you infiltrate the education system, right. If you disarm a people, you know you're halfway there. You know you don't have to do much more to enslave people. No, you can
1: impose whatever
0: agenda you want now. Well, if if the only people that have guns are the government. Right. Then there's always that possibility of an abuse of power that ends the same way it did in Japan and China. Well, and pick your dictatorship. Yeah. Pick it to pick a dictatorship. You know, ultimately, the people that have opposing views get punished somehow. Um, you know, kind
1: of in a way. You just kind of made me think. There's not a heck of a lot of difference between socialism, socialism, and a dictatorship at in certain points because dictatorship they maintain, maintain control by use of force through the military, whereas socialism maintain control by um, removing any ability to resist. So there's some there's some parallels there.
0: Well, it's certainly part of a larger plan. Uh, If you if you you look at it from the perspective of you know pulling plays out of the you know socialist playbook, uh, but inevitably in a very short period of time it collapses. Uh, People grow very very unhappy and or very desperate and they rise up and of course it isn't long before and i predicted this years ago somebody throws a brick and bonks a cop off the head and people lose their cool i look at what's going on in paris you yellow know yellow jackets paris, the yellow
1: jacket movement and of course nobody wants to talk about it in the mainstream media i wonder why it not really, anymore it, well, i, I think know. it was floating around there for a while at the beginning but now it's kind of like ooh, they're 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 protesting because Of some very just and moral issues. Well, you maybe know, we shouldn't, because those are the ones that we're trying to take away over here. Like I don't know. Well, you know the the idea that
0: you know people by the tens of thousands would rise up against the government. You would think that that would be no, you know, no uh, newsworthy? Right? Like I mean, something that people would be interested in for a very long, protracted period of time. Yeah. Instead of instead of Donald Trump's
1: latest tweet.
0: Yeah. yeah, well, you know, like, I, like I, I'm
1: looking it's, at... We're closer to home. I think that has something to do with it too, right? Well, you the know... The tweets are... Clo- the, the Donald Trump tweets are closer to home as opposed to somewhere in South America. Not, and I'm not putting ma- maintaining the importance of one over the other by any means. Mm. It, I, I'm just basically relating it to proximity. Well, I,
0: I still I still say that this is the kind of news that needs to get out there. I mean, people... Oh, no question. Yeah, like, I think that people have to hear it. Uh, I, I hate the idea of the government controlling every aspect of our lives. Like, I mean, you know...
1: But maybe uh, they don't want us to see that because it serves as, as an example and maybe would make it more difficult for them to fulfill the agenda or get reach their agenda. Well... You
0: know what, I, I think that it's it's obvious that something's going on. I mean, their policies are causing our economy to, to you know, come to a grinding halt, I've heard lately.
1: Well, that and rising gas prices and carbon tax and everything else. You mean the tax that nobody wants? Yeah.
0: Uh, so an entire yeah. cu-
1: an entire country, it seems, is against
0: the carbon tax, and yet they still want to do it. Yep. Right. So the people have voted in That's it. People have voted in their new leadership provincially. Everybody's saying no, but the head of our federal government is saying it's happening anyway mm-hmm. and he's got climate Barbie by his side. Well, we're not the only province that said no. Oh, oh no no, that's what I mean. Right? Well, yeah. that's, what, that's what I mean. Everybody everybody's the taking number a number good... of
1: provinces that said yeah. Va from good, right? yeah right? <laughs> you know what?
0: That's that's enough of that. I mean, like people are already taxed to an inch of their lives. We're gonna tax a tax yeah like I mean, come on, like at yep. what point at what point at what point do you just kind of laugh at it all and say one of it's, the most highly taxed nations on the planet and and you know what they're gonna they're gonna go for more. it's only gonna get worse if we continue on with this government,
1: yeah, well, yeah. I mean he can't there's where's the money gonna come from to give to the Clinton Foundation and everything else is going to keep those taxes going. <laughs> Somebody going, right? somebody's gotta pay those Omar t- Carter needs big another bills. ten mil.
0: Like. Oh God. And can you believe that? They actually had the audacity to say that the reasoning behind the Omar Carter payout was is that they didn't want to get into a long, expensive trial. This government, this government that ships money out of the country by the container full. A long expensive trial to someone who was convicted? Convicted of terrorism. Of terrorism. Where's the, where's the argument? Uh, there, there shouldn't be one. That's the point. Like, I mean, like, where's the argument in bringing home ISIS members and repatriating them? Yeah. I, I like. I mean, where, where's where is the sound logic behind that? I don't think. I don't think you need to be a security specialist to know that it's probably a bad idea to invite violent people into your house and expect good things to happen. So it, it really should make you question the leadership of this country because they're all for it. Oh, of course they are. Yeah, they're, again, that's they're just buying votes, right? Well, buy votes or not, they are going to have to face the music in October, and that's they coming are. and that's coming fast. So I'm really hoping that everybody gets out there, shares our words with everyone they can. Please do. Yeah, you know it's really important, folks. Uh, if we continue to spread the word about what's going on in Canada, more people that know, uh, the more people we can have voting in favor of a supermajority conservative government. That would be nice anyway that's about all the time we have for tonight's episode thank you so much coach nick for being here with us thank you again and don't forget to like and subscribe to us on youtube folks hope you've enjoyed the podcast and as always canada don't forget to shoot straight
1: shoot straight stay safe yeah shoot straight stay figure safe. it out man it's been a long day put that on a shirt i keep telling him what do you got he should put that on a shirt yep yep you know, another one of his ideas have a great night folks